Realize is a podcast about how we, as ordinary folks from all kinds of backgrounds, set out and achieve dreams, goals, milestones, and success in our lives. I'm your host, Candace, and I appreciate you spending a little time with us today. I'd like to introduce my very first guest to the podcast, who I'm also proud to call a dear friend, in addition to an amazing woman and fearless leader. She's a 23-year-old Pennsylvania native who just graduated from Gwinnett Mercy University with a master's in occupational therapy. She first began her collegiate leadership career by being elected to the Occupational Science Undergraduate Representative for the Student Occupational Therapy Association. At the start of graduate school, she ran and was elected class representative for her 2021 cohort. Additionally, she's taken on the roles of president for Gwinnett Mercy's Student Occupational Therapy Association and president of the Pi Theta Epsilon Honor Society, Epsilon Upsilon Chapter. And most recently, she had the tremendous accomplishment of being elected the steering committee chairperson for the Assembly of Student Delegates, which is a nationally recognized leadership position for the American Occupational Therapy Association. Soon she'll be running the world, but for today, she's agreed to spend some time with us speaking about her background, the methods to her brilliance, and the fresh challenge of taking on the highest ranking student leadership position in the nation for AOTA. Lee Herzberger, welcome to Realized, and thank you for being on the pod today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Our pleasure. So here on Realized, we start at the roots. We discuss your foundational truths and the values that you hold near and dear that have gotten you this far. So let's start at the beginning. What was your upbringing like? Um, so where do I start with that one? Um, I'm very fortunate and very blessed to have been brought up with two amazing parents, um, you know, raising me and my two siblings. I have two younger brothers, uh, they're twins. And so that in itself has been very interesting um, in our lives together, but I'm so grateful for them and we really are the best of friends. Um, in addition to my brothers, we have three fur babies at home, um, our three dogs, all rescue dogs. And there's something to be said about growing up with dogs, right? You, you have your dog people and you know they really just add such a dimension of who you are to, to your life, you know? Yeah, I'm a big dog person, I get it. <laughs> yeah, um, where would we be without our dogs, right? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, my, my upbringing was, I want to say traditional. Like, I think I I would say it's, it's what I would have expected it to be. Um, and I'm very glad to be able to say that. I think that that says a lot about my parents and just their dedication to me and my brothers and how we were raised. And, um, you know, I don't know where I'd be without them. So what values do you feel you were raised with? Um, so I think first and foremost, you know, my upbringing was very focused on having um, a relationship with God and just knowing that he is the center of, of our focus. And that's, you know, where my faith lies. So I think with that being the most prioritized value throughout my upbringing. It's also kind of stemmed and branched out into some other values kind of related to that. Um, but, you know, first and foremost has always been, you know, valuing my relationship with my personal savior, Jesus Christ, and just knowing God's role in all of that. Um, and I think stemming from that, most importantly, a value that my parents really instilled in us was to love one another. 
um, I think a very important commandment that we're given is to to love as you know we love ourselves to love our neighbors as ourselves um, but I think something that's interesting with love is that you can lead in love um, as a leader as a student as a friend as a family member um, you can be a leader through your love um, and you can also love others by serving which also relates to leading so that's something that I, I've always valued and, and continue to value um, is just showing love and then you know finally uh, another value that I think many people are raised with but it's hard to do is is to be a hard worker and to be dedicated to work whatever that looks like for you yeah. um, and both of my parents, again, are just incredibly hard and dedicated workers to their jobs, but also to our family. Um, they're dedicated to each other. They're willing to work hard and, and do whatever is needed for each other, for all of us. And, um, you know, that's not a hard work for self-gain. It's not for um, being better for yourself or for, you know, getting something out of it. But it really reflects your faith when you're willing to work hard for other people. Um, and I think those values have really kind of just been ingrained in me from the start and are a really big piece of who I am. Well said, well put. And I do want to follow up with that because you mentioned your parents were very hardworking people. Did they necessarily push you? into being the hardworking person that you are, or did they basically lead by example and you followed their example and became the woman that you are today? So I really appreciate that question. Um, my mom has always joked around and said that they don't know where I came from and they have not done this to me. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if she's, you know, basically no, no. So my, my parents are, I think, surprised and, and proud um, but it's not something that I've ever felt has been pushed on me to achieve things or to, to do certain things, um, to be a certain way. Um, my mom always tells this really, she says funny story of, I think it was first grade. I came off the bus and she's standing at the curb waiting for me. And all she sees is me holding this piece of paper and hysterically crying. And she was like, what is going on? And I was beyond upset at just not getting a grade that I wanted. It was sick. It was a great grade. It was a good performance. It was a first grade assignment. It, I think like an addition thing, math, something. I don't even know, but she says that that was such an important experience for her because she realized how much pressure I put on myself, I think. And that helped her to kind of understand how to, to support me through that. Um, being so young and, and just having such, I don't know if it was high standards or expectations or just putting that upon myself was kind of eye-opening for her. Um, and I think because of that one moment, she was able to, to teach me a lot from that and, you know, knowing that things are okay and it's okay to have, you know, high expectations, to have high standards and to push yourself, but to do so with a healthy mindset. Um, so, yeah. That's a great story. I love that even at that young age, you're like, that grade might be okay for others. It is not okay for Lee Herzberger. That is right. not up to my standards. I love that. 
So we're going to transition a bit into talking about the goals specifically. So in your case, it'd be the culminating achievement of becoming the Assembly Student Delegate Steering Committee Chairperson for AOTA. So you've clearly got a strong leadership record, which we read off the top. Uh, can you talk about leadership? What is leadership in your own words, and what makes a good leader? Yeah, so I think ultimately being a leader comes back to your willingness to serve. Um, because you can't really lead without experience. And I think experience as a leader comes from serving other people. That's how you learn a lot of the valuable skills that support leadership. That's how you learn how to grow as a person and to better understand yourself as a leader. Um, and where you start and where you continue to develop as a leader are going to look very, very different. Um, but I think ultimately leadership comes down to your, your willingness to serve. Um, and that looks very different, you know, from scenario to scenario, from person to person. Um, that is, I think, a good foundation of leadership. Um, and what was the next part of that? I'm sorry. Um, well, I'll ask a follow-up question. Why is leadership an attractive prospect for you specifically? Is it just about the service? Is it just related to the values that you talked about earlier? Or are there other motivating factors? Um, so I, I think leadership is attractive to me because because of those values that I, I did identify earlier. Um, there's, as an occupational therapy student, you know, kind of transitioning to, you know, becoming a practitioner, we talk a lot about performance and also participation. And, you know, if I were to ask you, you know, what's the difference between performance and participation, I would hope that, you know, we could say that performance is really, um, looking and evaluating someone's ability to engage in an occupation or to do an activity. But participation is interesting because it requires an opportunity to be afforded to somebody, right? You can't participate if you don't have the opportunity to do so. And so with that being said, I think that the values that I've expressed earlier in, in loving other people and, and wanting to work hard and to serve them, um, I think that leadership is attractive because of the opportunities that are provided throughout that. So you, you need that initial opportunity to be a, the to go for a leadership position or to be a leader, but then through that, you can also foster more opportunities for yourself and for others. And I think that's a really beautiful thing when it's done well, is not only allowing other people to participate, but also to learn that they can become leaders and they can do good in the world and that those opportunities are what's so valuable and foundational to, to being a human being, right? Yeah. And to me, that's leadership for the right reasons. You're empowering people, you're granting access, and you're ultimately, we're, we're talking about a lot about occupational justice. Full disclosure, we were in the same cohort at Winnet Mercy. <laughs> so, you know, that goes hand in hand with being a leader is really being able to not only break through for yourself, but to break through barriers for other people to walk through. Um, so it's excellent that you have that perspective. Um, what made you go after this particular goal? Um, so in complete honesty, I didn't really know about this role with um, the Assembly of Student Delegates until a week before applications were due. Oh, wow. So I was a little late to the game and I 
have to, you know, give full, full credit to uh, our program director at Gwen and Mercy. Um, he had forwarded me an email. He said, hey, I saw this today, thought of you, not sure if anybody else in the class would be interested, but, you know, feel free to share or, you know, to take action on it. And I was like, huh. I had to think about it. So first I was like, I am not, you know, I I'm comfortable in my cohort of 29 students at a small school, but I am not like a national student leader, right? Like I, I don't know how to do that. And so I thought about it and I prayed about it because I, I wanted to make the right decision and I didn't want to make a decision out of fear. And a lot of times it, it takes that leap of faith to say, all right, I'm going to leave it in God's hands and let's go for it. Let's go for it. What's the worst that can happen? He can close the door. He can say, hey, this isn't for you. Or maybe he says, hey, this isn't for you right now. Maybe he says, this is for you and I'm going to be there for you through it. So I think that was the hardest part for me was kind of taking that initial leap of faith and going, I'm just going to try it. Um, I think this position offered a lot of opportunity because I, I looked at, you know, what have previous chair per persons, people, what have they done, you know, in their roles? Um, what has the steering committee done for students? What is, what is their priority? What are they working towards? And once I learned more about it and, you know, what, what could really be accomplished through being a part of a team like that, I, I knew it was something I had to just at least try to do. Um, and, you know, thankfully everything worked out well and yeah. just started. So it's been really, really great so far. Fantastic. Yep, that leap of faith paid off. It did. Indeed. Fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about the method or the process of reaching your goal. So how did you prepare for the election process? I know you talked a little bit about really was having a week to prepare for this. <laughs> what was that week filled with? Yeah, so that was a busy week. It was also a week of midterms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I had a lot of cards stacked against me in the sense of time and focus. Because, um, of course, I was, you know, my grades can't slip because I'm trying to add something to my plate. Um, and I had some other responsibilities with our, you know, SOTA, our uh, OT association there at Gwinnett. And I just didn't want to be spread too thin. But I did know that ultimately this position wouldn't start until after those things had kind of wound down for me. So it was the here and now that was really, you know, the most stressful and pre preparing. Um, but, you know, at the time, the most helpful things were just the, having those prior leadership positions and having gone through some of those trials um, and just knowing that whatever lied ahead, it would be okay. And it's a learning experience, if not successful. Um, so that week was very busy getting things together. Uh, I didn't really have a resume made or a cover letter done being, you know, the start of the second year. Um, I, I really wasn't in the process of making those for employment yet. So I was kind of starting at ground zero with that, but I did have a lot of support from, you know, different professors uh, at school who were like, yeah, let me read it over. I'll give you some suggestions and you can edit that. So some responsibility did fall on them then in giving me feedback. And I'm so grateful that they made time for me during a busy week 
in their semester to um, further promote and, and, and support me in what I was trying to do. Um, but outside of that, it really just was preparing the material for the application. Um, and then at that point, it goes through the volunteer leadership committee, the VLDC, um, and they, you know, further that when elections start then in the winter in, in January. Um, but it, it's not a ton of application material. It's, it's getting your membership information together for your, you know, state association, your national association. Um, it was asking for letters of recommendations as well. Um, All of that within a week. Yeah. Yeah. So I did feel bad kind of asking. I had to ask a lot of our professors and faculty there, but none of them batted, batted an eyelash to, you know, give that support and to, you know, further help me reach a goal that had just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but really without them, it would have been a lot more challenging. And I don't know if I would have been able to, you know, submit an application. So it all worked out. <laughs> That's awesome. And we're going to get into support systems a little bit later. Um, right now, I do want to touch upon something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, and you talked about trials, the trials of being a leader, the trials of even going out, you know, putting yourself out there and saying, hey, I want to be elected for this. Here's why. Um, can you speak to those challenging aspects and speak to the things that you've had to overcome or personally learn in order to fully embrace the challenge and ultimately the role? Yeah, so I think some of the challenges, or I guess one of the challenges that really I tend to, to feel that I experience most would be lack of balance. Um, as a leader, I feel that it's hard to delegate tasks sometimes, um, and it's hard to trust that they'll get done the way that you want them done. Um, that being said, there is beauty in letting things go and knowing that to each their own, right? You have to accept individual creativity and individual freedoms to contribute to a group. And so that, I think, once I learned how to grow in, in that and kind of letting those little things go, the better leader I became because I could then focus my efforts on things that, you know, were more important or were bigger picture items. Um, I think balance in my daily life was also very challenging. Um, holding, you know, sometimes simultaneous positions and, you know, going for one when not even having completed another. Um, it's challenging and it, it takes from other aspects of life like social, you know, participation and work. There's times I've had to, you know, draw back on work so that I can be really dedicating 100% of myself to a position that I have um, or, you know, just having free time, leisure time to be who I am and to do the hobbies that I enjoy doing. Some of those things have had to go to the sidelines for, you know, a day, a week, a month, but um, it's always refreshing to kind of get back to myself and to find that harmony again and um, try to try to hold on to that a little bit or find the give and take in being a leader um, and not crossing into that, that personal balance and that personal harmony of the day-to-day. -day. Having to compartmentalize things is yes. really a skill. It's, it's a skill that has to be learned. It doesn't come naturally to everybody. No. Um, and I also want to ask you, too, I did lead a couple of committees. It was a very interesting experience. Yeah. Um, and I will 
just come out and say it. I'm a control freak. I'm definitely a person like you that has certain standards and expectations for my work. And I want to ask you, because you've led in so many capacities, how do you inspire the people that you're working with, that you're leading, to have high standards and expectations? Like, because it all reflects on you as the leader. You know, if you're putting out anything as a group, but you're the leader of that, that finished product reflects on you directly. Right. So how do you do that? How do you inspire other people to work at a certain level and produce a certain result? Well, before I answer that, I want to say that you did an amazing job and you make people like you, Candace, make being a leader easy. You, you take one piece, one layer of the challenge and you remove that. Um, which is amazing and, and you did a wonderful job. So it was great to work with you and man, I wish I could take you everywhere. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, but I think it's with every group that you're a part of or you have a leadership position in, there's going to be a different approach that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I think previously in trying to inspire others, it's kind of come my approach has been more of let's do together, right? Let's each take a small piece of this and we'll accomplish it and we'll do it well. Um, and I think when a big task is split into little achievable tasks, people are much more willing to give it their all because it's not as time consuming. It's not as much of a mountain to climb. It's more, okay, yeah, I can give 110% and it's gonna look great. So those pieces, once they come together are exceptional because everybody's been delegated a task that goes with their strength and it kind of all matches up to really form that team that team building um, but I think with my new position as the chairperson um, this approach is kind of developing and changing um, and it's not that it hasn't worked but it's a different group it's it's a very different dynamic um, Everybody who's a part of the steering committee is very driven and passionate and motivated already. Um, so I really don't find myself trying to inspire or motivate or, you know, get people into it at all, um, which is really neat. But a challenge to that is that we are very motivated and driven and that we all have ideas and we all want to take everything on and we just want to do it all. And you can't. You can't do that. Um, you have to prioritize and, and maximize your impact. And so the approach has transitioned slightly to really, really focus on, you know, what group, what smaller group can really take this activity on? Is this a project that aligns with our strategic plan? Are we upholding the mission, the values of AOTA and ASD? Uh, are we meeting student needs? And then we really want to make sure that whatever we do take on is driven not only by student need, but by student desire too and interest, because that's what's gonna promote and inspire students at their, their college level, at their educational level, is what interests them, what they're passionate about. And that's what our job is, is to hear the students and to make it happen. So um, it's, it's, it's definitely different, but I'm getting used to it. I'm learning a lot and I can't wait to see what the next two years really brings with that. Cause I just, I see so much potential and so many amazing things that can really just 
continue to spiral into to greatness. So I'm sure they will. With you at the helm, I know they will actually. <laughs> and I want to transition. You you did a beautiful job of actually getting right into our next section, which is the achievement itself. Um, I know you said that you began officially fulfilling your duties on July 1st, correct? Yeah. Yep. That's you correct. got yeah, about three weeks of experience to, to speak to. Um, does the summit look quite different from what you've imagined? Like you've reached the top. First of all, how did you find out that you've been elected and what were your feelings in that moment? So I got an email actually that it's a, I think it was a few weeks after elections had closed or it was pretty close to that. Um, and I got an email that was asked or it basically said, you know, congratulations, you've been elected. And um, I, I don't know if I was in class when I got this because I think it was a Zoom, it was a Zoom class. So I had all my notifications and everything on, but I remember just sitting there like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> and I know that that's kind of terrible, but in the moment, I just was like, I didn't think it would happen. Like, I, I, I just didn't think that it would unravel, that door would open and the opportunity would be there. So I think initially I felt like a deer in headlights and was like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Um, but as the the weeks turned into months and the July 1st date came around, the transition and orienta orientation happened. I became a lot more comfortable with knowing that it's okay to not know. It's okay to not know how you're going to do it because yeah. that's the whole point of two years, right? That's the whole point of the position is to learn how to do it and then transition it to the next person. So as I became more comfortable with not with that overwhelmingness of, oh my gosh, this is, you know, what's coming down the f in the future. Um, I began to be really excited. Um, and the first person I shared the news with was our program director who had encouraged me to do it in the first place. So um, yeah, it was just a very surreal moment. Very cool. Very cool. And how have you changed in the process of achieving this goal? Like between the time where you opened that email and saw that news to now, how have you changed? Um, I think I've definitely grown a bit in understanding myself. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had some of the skills that I thought would set me up for success in this position. Um, and that came with better understanding who I am as a student, as a leader, as a person. Um, and I think I also grew in accepting others. You know, I got to be a part of some of these meetings before I had started the, the position in July. So I had gotten to meet, you know, the, the outgoing steering committee members. I got to meet those who are still staying with us for the next year. Um, and I had to kind of open my perspective and say, wow, like we are a very diverse group of eight to 12 students here. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of ideas. There's a lot of discussion. And I had to, to realize that that was going to promote our success, right? At first it was kind of like, wow, this is a lot. This is intense and I don't know how to handle this. I tend to be very quiet in my, my shell of comfort, but I had to grow in, in knowing that it's, it's okay to be outspoken and to do that with respect. Um, and they're a great group of, of people and I'm, I'm grateful for that learning lesson so early on because I think it's kind of bonded us now that we're all officially in our term and we're all working together. 
Um, but some things that I've had to work on these last few months have been um, working towards efficiency, yes. even if that's in an email. Um, I like to write 30 page long emails to people and just talk about everything. Your long emails. I love your long emails. Yeah. Like, let me brew some tea. <laughs> exactly. It's like tea time when you get an email from me because it's like five pages. There's tons of stories. It's, oh my gosh, everything's here. And I've really realized that that's not efficient. And while that's great to have some social time and to include a bunch of stuff, sometimes you need to be concise and focus that and to be more professional with that. Um, so there's a time and a place for both, but I've definitely been working on, on efficiency outside of emails as well, but in completing tasks and projects and, you know, kind of evaluating uh, what's going on and just reflections of tasks or projects that have been taken on, um, knowing if you're being productive and, and things like that, because oftentimes we put a lot on our plates and then sometimes those tasks will dwindle out and you don't even realize it. So you want to make sure that I want to make sure that I'm being efficient and really maximizing uh, the impact that um, I make, whether that be in just a steering committee meeting or at larger ASC meeting at conference or triannual meetings. Um, you know, those are, those are important for me in areas of growth. That's very smart. And I think too, in the long term, it'll protect you from burnout because Sure. You have so many things to do, so much on your plate. It's so easy to burn out if you think that you have to go to the nth degree doing everything. So yeah. that's that's an excellent, excellent lesson to learn right at the top. Uh, so we're going to transition to our last topic. We're going to give some special attention to the support system behind the success in your life. Nobody does anything alone. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about who's been in your corner and what they've added to your journey. So first and foremost, um, I think my biggest supporters are my parents. Um, I love my brothers dearly, and I know that they're also there to support me in every single day, but there's nothing like my parents. Um, my mom in particular is, she's my best friend. Uh, she sits there, she listens to everything under the sun, every pet peeve of mine, every frustration at the end of a meeting, and also all the successes, all the, hey mom, I did this today, or hey, this went really well, um, or hey, I learned something new and I didn't expect it. She's been there for every single second of the journey from day one. Um, and she's provided a lot of wisdom and encouragement through that, both of my parents have. Um, I just, I don't know what I'd do without them, but I think, you know, they've learned it from their parents too. I have incredibly supportive grandparents who check in all the time, give me a call. How's this going? And how's this going? What's new with this fundraiser? And, you know, what are you doing with this group? And without that, I don't know if I'd find the motivation on the days I don't have as much of it. Um, so really my parents and my grandparents are just incredible. Um, but kind of outside of the, the family support, um, I, I've been generously supported by our faculty at Gwynedd. Um, I think sometimes they've believed in me more than I believed in myself. Uh, and because of that, I've found a new confidence in just being me um, and just knowing that I do have something to offer no matter the size or, or no matter what that looks like, but that it's always worth trying for um, and just letting life unravel. 
uh, but my, my classmates have also driven a lot of support and particularly some of my closest friends that you know I've made throughout the program um, from sharing an Instagram post to support the election or you know saying hey social media can you guys just like can you share this can you like this can you get this out um, just, just put our name out there and, and maybe students will recognize it on the ballot and just doing that means a lot because I feel I feel their support and I can I can now see their support um, and I know that I wouldn't have been elected if it wasn't for their vote and for their their help in doing all of that um, but out, outside of that initial direct line of, of help and support from my classmates um, I have to thank them for their their patience with me and and their support along the way they've they've showed me a lot of love and just a lot of a lot of acceptance um, and because that's been shown to me I now feel that I can show to others and to to be that that reciprocal person who takes what's been given and and makes it even greater and can can supply that multitude of experience um, so yeah it's just it's been a great journey and where would we be without our support that nobody does it alone like you said that's absolutely yeah absolutely and honestly it meant so much to be able to vote for you i remember the way i found out that you were actually running i saw you sent me an email and i brewed my tea and i read it and <laughs> i got to the bottom and i it said this little had this little aota sticker it said i'm running for office and i'm like what yeah could not wait. I remember just hitting reply as fast as I could. I'm like, Lee, how can I support you? Tell me what I can do. You're absolutely, yes. Oh, I, you have so much to give. There's such a brilliance to you. There's such a radiance there. And I just, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Like, and Thank you. why you're on this podcast, because I admire you beyond words. And I know you're just going to do such great things. You already are. You already have and you're so right you are enough you're always enough and this is just the beginning for you and I can't wait to see where you take this I'm fully expecting you to rule, rule the world there's gonna be like <laughs> president of the world and it will be you one day oh goodness <laughs> and I mean there's a lot to clean up obviously but we're up to the task so well then I'll need a team so are you on it oh no listen <laughs> To, no, be to be determined, but I'll, I'll always stack you up and I'll always be in your corner. I'm so proud of you. you thank know? you so much. Thank you so much for all the leadership that you provided for us and all the leadership that you're going to provide at AOTA and beyond. You're going to do great things. Thank you. Yeah. And so with that, I want to thank you for your time. Of course. Once again, Lee Herzberger. It's been wonderful having you on Real Life. Thank you so much. It's It's been a great experience to be here and I hope that you know, if there's a quiet leader out there listening that, you know, they find, find that motivation to go for it, right? That's the, that's the start is to just know that you're enough too, right? It takes one step, one initiation, and you can also find a leader in yourself. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Okay, so with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you all for listening. This has been Realized, and this is Candace signing off and wishing you the best day. See you around.